Welcome to the fourth and final week of Ruth. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. And, you know, just to kind of refresh your memory as to what's happened so far. In Ruth chapter 1, what we see is that's whenever a lot of the bad news happens, okay? It's a great family, but a lot of bad things happen. Um, We see that Naomi, who is one of the main characters, her husband dies. We see Ruth. Uh, her husband ended up dying. Then also uh, there, there's another character who's not exactly a main character, but another sister-in-law with Ruth. And uh, they, uh, all of their husbands end up dying. So, so all of these women are left widowed. And one of them uh, goes back to her family. But Ruth stays with Naomi and decides that even though she was a Moabite, she's going to be an Israelite. She's going to the people of Israel and she is going to, uh, to be just like Naomi. And in chapter 2, what we start to see is we're introduced to a third main character. So we've got Naomi, we've got Ruth, then we've got Boaz, who is introduced there. We start to see that Boaz, he's a very uh, good man, he's an upright man, and he's the one that Ruth uh, starts to see that uh, you know maybe there is some positive things about this. Um, he's a very good man uh, to them, and then it progresses very quickly. I mean, the book is only four chapters long, so yes, it goes pretty quick. So in chapter 3... What Ruth essentially does is she asks him to marry her. I mean, it's kind of an interesting scenario that that we looked at last uh, week. But one of the things uh, that Ruth says in this conversation uh, that that happens right here, um, Ruth says in verse 9 of chapter 3, I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. And then he actually responds in verse 12. He says, although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So that's what Be- that's what Boaz says to Ruth right here. So yes, he's going to be this guardian redeemer. And by the way, this week, what we're really looking at is what this guardian redeemer is all about. And it's someone who would be a close relative who is going to redeem them, who is going to help them uh, in, in difficult times. Because Ruth most certainly has come under difficult times. And this guardian redeemer is going to be there to help get them out. Uh, that's kind of the, the idea behind it. And at the end of Ruth 3, Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So now we're going to see how Boaz settles this matter. Okay, so there's another one who's a little bit closer. What's going to happen here? Now we get to Ruth 4. Ruth 4 verses 1 through 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to your relative, to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated, seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Okay, so let's let's pause right here in this story and let's see what, what all is going on. So so Boaz, he steps up um, and, uh, you, you know, we, we start to find out a little bit more about his character. He is somebody who is going to make sure that the matter is settled, you know, that day. He, he's going to do that. And one of the things is he sees this guardian redeemer and he actually says, come over here, my friend. And, uh, you know, by the way, 
uh, if you kind of look here, I've got a little a little bit of a note um, that I want to share with you. And by the way, I am looking at the specific Bible right here is the NIV First Century Study Bible. And one of the little notes that it has on this verse about my friend, it says a more direct translation would be, quote, a certain person, end quote, which is the modern equivalent to, quote, so and so, end quote. So, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's this kind of indirect statement. And in some ways, you might also be able to read this as a little bit of a jab at this person. Now, I mean, not like a, a major blow, but just kind of a little bit of a jab that Boaz realizes, okay, this guardian redeemer, he's not really going to redeem him. And regardless of how much of a blow this, this statement is by saying, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, you, you over there, you know, come, come here. It, instead of that being necessarily a, a big, big blow, uh, what we definitely see is in this book, um, we don't even know the name of that guardian redeemer. He's not one of the main characters. I mean, yes, he shows up, you know about him, but then he just kind of quickly fizzles out in a moment, uh, even though we haven't gotten there to, to where he fizzles out just yet. Right now he's saying, okay, yes, I'm going to redeem it. Um, this goes back into some of the laws. I, some of these things are kind of weird, you know, uh, because um, right here he's talking about kind of helping out Naomi, uh, and which in turn is also going to help out uh, Ruth. So he's laying this foundation. He's setting up everything. He's also making sure uh, that the elders are coming uh, over there so that everything is kind of witnessed as it should be. And that that's what he's he's going to do. And he says, you know, if you will redeem it, do so. And he goes, you're first in line. And then he re recognizes that he's the next one in line. So at first, this other guy, this friend, the guardian redeemer friend, he says that he's going to redeem it. But that's not the end. Verses 5 through 8 now. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. <laughs> Once again, interesting kind of cultural statements. Uh, it does seem like even at the time of, of this uh, writing of Ruth and, and as it was being handed down, um, that even seems like it, it had fallen out of, of general practice right there because it says in verse you know, 7, you know, in earlier times, there was this, this method of legalizing these transactions and stuff. Because you know, otherwise, you just hear this one guy gives over a sandal to the other. What, what is that all about? I don't know if I can exactly explain it to you all that well, except it was a way of legalizing the transactions. I don't know. Does it make any more sense than, than a signature or, or like anything else that we might have? It, you know, they all kind of seem a little odd and maybe will seem a little odd whenever those aren't the, the common practices. But apparently this was the practice of their day. So as the story is progressing, this friend redeemer, this friend guardian redeemer, he says, OK, I'll redeem uh, them. I'll, I'll help them out and I'll, I'll fulfill my role. But then Boaz just kind of adds in, OK, you'll also get Ruth the Moabite. And what this was is this was going to uh, to to maintain a family line, you know, uh, having a physical lineage was very important to the Jewish people. Uh, and, you know, perhaps it's it's important to uh, to many of you who are listening to this and, you know, following along with this uh, as well. Uh, but I mean, you know, many times we as Christians, we kind of think a little bit more spiritually and we're not as much about necessarily a physical uh, line. But 
in the Old Testament especially, there was a lot of emphasis on continuing on this, this physical line. And that's what's going on right here. In fact, once this guardian redeemer, the closest friend, so to speak, uh, whenever he hears about this, he sees this as, for whatever reason, he sees that it could endanger his own estate. It could mess things up for him. Now, I mean, we don't know much about this other guy. We don't even know his name. But in verse 6, he just says that I might endanger my own estate. So whatever the case, he recognizes it might not go so well for him if he agrees to this at this point. And he says that he's not going to agree to it. That opens it up for Boaz to be able to step in and for Boaz to be able to fully uh, be this guardian redeemer to help uh, Naomi, to help Ruth, and to be able to continue on uh, this line as well. And that's what's going to continue to happen. Verses 9 through 12. Then Boaz announced, announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses, that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So in this passage, uh, we see this, this idea about witnesses. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful idea when we can start to get the, the, grasp the concept of what it meant to witness something. Now, uh, apparently these elders, they didn't actually have to pronounce judgment or anything like this. You know, it's kind of a different type of mindset than what we might have. You know, we have all of our own uh, ways of making things legal. Uh, they had ways of making things legal right here, too. And some of that dealt with getting together these elders. Uh, they were going to be witnesses. They were going to be able to, to testify, yes, I saw this thing happen. And, you know, that, that's what they were willing to do. That's what they were willing to say. And so Boaz just kind of, he announces, he says, look, you're witnesses of what took place. And they agree, we are witnesses. Then they pronounce this blessing upon Boaz and upon his family so that their family would be blessed, so that their family would prosper. And, uh, and we see that, that that's kind of the blessing that the elders give. That's what they desire for Boaz. Keep in mind, Boaz, of course, is a great man. Uh, he's even described as being a noble man. We've looked at that before, you know, a man of noble character. And these elders, of course, are praising him and wanting great things to happen, uh, great things among his family. And that's what they, that's the blessing that they pronounce uh, on the whole situation that they were just witnessed to. There's still a little bit more uh, in this chapter and in this book. Verses 13 through 17 now. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And yes, just in case you're wondering, this is David, who will later become king of Israel. 
So it's it's very it's an amazing story right here of Ruth that we see that almost this this lineage that gets to the person of David was so close to being wiped out right here. And it was being wiped out not because of sinfulness, but just because of bad times did come upon them. Bad times did just befall this this family. Bad times came to Naomi, came to Ruth, came to their whole family whenever death and, and tragedy struck. But now in this final chapter, we see all of this reversed. The book of Ruth starts with tragedy and death, and it ends with joy and life. And that, that's an amazing kind of just image to see, kind of overarching uh, theme to be able to see from this short book about what takes place right here. And we see that they're all uh, praising God for what has taken place. Now see, this is a faithful family that still did come under some, some you know negative times. Just because you're a faithful follower of God, it doesn't mean that everything is always going to go well for you. But it does mean that you can, can press on. And it does mean that the Lord will help you uh, in, in your difficult times, just like the Lord helped Ruth and Naomi uh, by allowing everything to work out for them to be uh, under the, the wings of Boaz, under the wings of the Lord uh, through, through Boaz right here. And uh, they pronounce a, a blessing here in verse 14. May he become famous throughout Israel. Well, I mean, yeah, his descendants did. David was going to be the king of Israel. And the whole book kind of ends with this genealogy. Verses 18 through 22. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab. Amenadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. And that's King David. And you continue to read his his story if you uh, continue to read in in First Samuel and well First and Second Samuel and all and just kind of continue on you start to see what happens with this line of David. It became famous. It most certainly did. And we see as we as we come to this end of, of Ruth, the main theme from chapter four was this guardian redeemer and how important that was that this family be redeemed, this family be helped by someone who was a relative, a close relative. And a friend. And Boaz uh, took up that role. He became this guardian redeemer. And now I want to kind of um, shift our thoughts just a little bit. And I want us to, to fast forward into the New Testament and to recognize that in many ways just how Boaz was this guardian redeemer and helped this, this, these family members that had come under hard times, we see that Jesus Christ does a similar thing to us. In fact, when we turn to the pages of the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, we see this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So now, if you continue on and fast forward, uh, I guess you'd see the, the great, 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 I don't know how many greats, uh, grandsons of Ruth. We come to Jesus. I don't think that's by accident at all. We see part of this genealogy, of course, verses 5 and 6. It was Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Uh, Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. So we see that same type of genealogy right here in Matthew's gospel. That's how he starts it because this is part of Jesus' story. This is part of all of our story. And we see that Jesus, he stepped in to humanity. He became a human to redeem us, to be our guardian redeemer, so to speak. I love how the book of Hebrews puts it as well. In Hebrews chapter 2, when you look at verses 11 and 12, 
uh, talking about Jesus, says, So Jesus is not ashamed to call them, speaking about us, brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. So, you know, he's talking about how, how he is one of us, how he became one of us. He became our guardian redeemer. He became part of the human race in order to redeem us. In fact, in verses 14 through 18 of Hebrews 2, more and more description is given about what Jesus did and, and how great of a thing he gave us and by redeeming us. This is what verses 14 through 18 says. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he gives help, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This passage, among so many others, teaches us that, yes, if we are followers of God, difficult times might come our ways, but we can press through. We can make it through. Jesus knows what we are enduring. Jesus is there to help us. Jesus became one of us. He truly knows whatever struggles we as human beings are going to encounter, and he's there to help us. Will we just let him help us? Will we continue to follow him in this way that Christ has asked us to? He is able to help all of us who are being tempted. He's able to help us by redeeming us. He's able because he is this merciful and faithful high priest who is in service of God. This is our Jesus. He's the one who, who made atonement for the sins of the people. He did all this as a human being. Jesus loves us so, so much. Let's make sure that we find ways to share that love with people around us. Also, I want to give you one other reminder. Uh, just because we're, we are finished with the book of Ruth, uh, it doesn't mean that you have to end right here. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is, now that we've gone through every single uh, chapter, I would encourage you to go back to the Bible Project video that gives you an overview of the book of Ruth. You know, this is how I encourage you to start off with that video, and I would encourage you to end with that video too, because it's great to get a, a bird's eye view and a big view about what's going on, then to dive down deep into it and then to see it again in a big picture. I think that's one of the best ways that you could study uh, any book of the Bible. So I would strongly encourage you to take a look at this video, and I will include a link in the description of this video down below.